Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That is to say that your actions and activities are dictated by your thoughts. That's why the enemy attacks you where? In your thought life. Because he understands that thoughts are like seeds. If he can plant them in the soil of your mind and you meditate on them and develop an ungodly belief system, begin to believe lies, that seed that the enemy has planted can begin to grow and bear the fruit of laziness. Bear the fruit of poverty. Bear the fruit of low self-esteem. Bear the fruit of destructive behaviors. It all begins in the mind. It's really true. The battlefield is the mind. And so if we are lazy, if you're having trouble living according to some of the values that you have, to some of the biblical values and principles that God has placed before us to live and walk out. If you're struggling with that, go back to what you're thinking. Where does that originate in your mind? Maybe somebody told you you'd never be good at at whatever, or you'll never graduate, or nobody in my family has ever succeeded in this. That belief system, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, it shows you that your thought life is connected to your actions. So if you want to transform your actions, you've got to deal with your thought life. Sometimes this can mean making the word become flesh through repetition, reading, meditating on scriptures, and and reading the opposite of how you feel about yourself, praying into those things. Maybe that kind of of self-development will help you to transform your thinking. Other times you need self-talk. We think that if we can just think the opposite of these thoughts that are flooding our minds, that we, we can defeat those thoughts. But in actuality, to defeat a thought that's coming from that dimension, you must uh, uh, activate something in a higher dimension. You've got to speak the opposite of that which you are thinking. I remember a number of years ago, I was uh, wanting to develop more patience in my life. I found myself to be an impatient person by nature. I don't know who I, who I got that from, whether my mom or my dad or my grandpa or maybe just me. But I had impatience in my life that was holding me back from, from doing what God wanted me to do. And in those days, you know, I, I didn't think anybody could cast a demon of impatience out of me. But I began to take on the challenge of studying patience. I wanted the word to become flesh in me. What did the Bible say about it? The love chapter, it said love is patient. And so I began to to pray into patience. I began to look up scriptures and, and Bible stories where somebody was patient. And each day I was meditating on patience as a virtue. I would even Google certain proverbs and sayings about patience. (laughs) I would simply go to Google and look up the physiological response in your body when you're a patient or impatient person. 
I immersed myself in, in this concept of patience. But that was enough to give me good head knowledge and help me to have a focus towards personal change in this area. But I took it a bit further. I actually carried around, it's a true story, and I did this for a number of values and virtues I wanted to have formed in my life. I actually carried around a notebook, and every time I became impatient during the day, I would make a little note. <laughs> so if I was sitting in staff meeting when I, when I served under my father's ministry, and, and he, the staff meeting was just so long, uh, I, would, I would write down, I became impatient during staff meeting. Or if I was on the, the 401, our local highway here, going eastbound in traffic around dinner time when I was hungry, I, I would say, I became impatient on the highway. And, and I was actually writing each of these down. And you may ask, now what's the point of that? I'll tell you, that night, every night, I got down by my bed and I went to pray. And I read each of those out loud. And I said, Lord, I want to repent today for my impatience at the staff meeting. I repent for being impatient in this case and that case. And I would just read it out one by one. And here's where the power came. I would say, Lord, I exchange my human impatience for your divine patience. I exchange my impatience for the patience that Jesus has. <laughs> now, for some of the religious out there, you might have a problem with that. But let me remind you, the scripture says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. Meaning, <laughs> we have been made partakers of the God nature. Just as God is patient, so you can be patient. Just as the Lord Jesus was loving, so you can be loving. If there is anything about God that is virtuous, that is worthy of this life, that can change lives, that can change your life, you have access to that nature. You have been given a new nature. This is the power of the salvation experience, that we can come into receiving a new nature. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We have the nature of God the Father running through our spiritual veins when we get saved. You didn't just convert to a religion. You received a new spiritual DNA that gives you access to a new nature and access to divine power for personal transformation, for marital transformation, for family transformation and city and, and business transformation. You have access to the very disciplines of God when you step into that realm of saying, yes, I'm not just going to live with this stuff in my life. I'm not just going to live with it because my dad had that problem or my mom was like this. I have a new nature and by living out that new nature and it doesn't come just by a quick hand laid on you at the altar. It's going to be a practice of pursuing the very nature of God. I don't pursue ministry results. I pursue the nature of Jesus and Jesus ministry results follow. Hallelujah. So we have to go there with God and say, yes, Lord, I exchange my nature for yours. And that's what I would do each night. 
would repent. <laughs> and I don't know when it happened. I gave myself a goal of two weeks. I want the patience of Jesus. <laughs> Maybe two weeks seemed impatient, but I said, God, I want change. And every night I wrote down and I would repent. And I can't tell you the exact day it was, but at some point in that two-week period, I lost my human impatience. And the supernatural patience of Jesus began to fill my life. I didn't have to try. I didn't have to fight it. Just as, as real as my human nature was, the God nature as it pertained to patience began to live itself through me, began to express itself through me. This is the goal of the fruit of the Spirit. And I began to do that with different disciplines and values and virtues because I wanted to carry God effectively. I didn't just want to preach a good message and look good from the stage, but my private life doesn't have disciplines. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Wherever you're watching from, just say, Lord, do it in me. Just say, Lord, do it in me. Let's give a couple more keys here. Number five, be suspicious of too much praise and adoration. Be suspicious of too much praise and adoration. Receive praise wisely as you grow and go from glory to glory and as you succeed in the great things that God has put in your hand. We can tend to believe our own hype. We begin to enjoy the praise and attention. You know what that does? That teaches us on the inside that we can start to slow down. We can relax we're doing good in this area. Don't fix your attention too much on what you're already good at. Shift your focus to areas where you need to grow in your life. You might feel, well, I'm already good at these five things. This doesn't matter over here. If you want to develop yourself as a person of value that can make history wherever God has put you, then begin to fix your attention on the areas that need to, to grow. Don't become blind to the things that God still wants to develop you in. Make self-development and personal growth a hobby. Let's move on now to number six. This one's very important because you'll find out when you do a research on those who change the world or those who are doing great things in life, they are people of routine. They are people of routine. And I don't have time today on this episode to really get into this, but, but you will discover that this is the case. So number six, live or create a daily schedule and plan your day according to your lifetime goals. <laughs> plan your day, your week, your month, your year according to your lifetime goals. Even your time of rest or holiday or relaxation is really just a way of being able to invest into the great road ahead of you of work that you need to do. It's all an investment in your calling, purpose, and destiny. But create a schedule. Create daily, weekly, monthly routines. From the moment you wake up, be thinking in terms of what you want to do with your life. Make decisions that way. Think about how you interact with your wife. Do you have date night? Do you spend any time with your family? Well, if, you want, if, if family is a value to you, if you want your family to prosper, 
then that has to find its way into your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly routines. <laughs> Somebody might say to me, you know what? My relationship with God is my highest value. We like to say that. Well, prove it then. Because if you just say it, it's an invisible. Nobody really knows if that's true or not. Your, your declarations and the goals that you say out loud are actually proven in this dimension by your actions. You say, I love God. Faith is the most important thing to me. Prove it. Because faith without works is irrelevant in this dimension. <laughs> Only God knows. Only heaven knows if you really have true faith. But if you want to really succeed in the values that, that you have set for yourself, the values and principles you want to live by, then you've got to prove them in this life by action. So that declaration that God, my relationship with God is my highest value, well, that's going to have to be proven with a daily devotional schedule, a weekly time of communion, a monthly prayer and fast. I want to prove to God that he is my first love, that he is my everything. So I don't just preach it, it makes it into my calendar. Almost every day of the week, I look to give two and a half hours to God, solely devoted to God, a 10%, a, a tenth, a tithe of 24 hours. Once a week, I take communion with my wife. We take communion together and we, we pray for our family members. We pray for our ministry partners. We, we come together and we do that for our marriage, but also for ourselves. It's hard to be in conflict with your spouse or to have unresolved issues when you come together for communion. Sometimes that helps you to confess some things, to deal with some things, and it makes for a better marriage. I don't just name and claim a healthy marriage. I don't just name and claim that, that I have this and I have that because he says I do. You know, I'm going to live this thing out and prove to God that he is my highest value. And then every month, I take a three-day prayer retreat. I, I don't eat for three days. I don't go on social media. I don't interact with people. I lock myself away for three days. I, I, I almost wasn't going to give this this secret away. It needs a whole episode because it, it's a holy, sacred, powerful thing. But I go on a prayer retreat and I bring worship music and I worship freely. I spend time speaking in tongues. I'm, I'm fasting from social media and emails and people. And I'm engaging God alone. And in that time, I'm giving myself room to dream, to think, to catch God ideas and solve problems and write some things down and catch up on my reading and get close to him. In this way, I'm taking that value, my value, and I'm saying, God, I'm going to live it out. Here's three days solely devoted to you. <laughs> and it's a routine. It's happening every month. So I have my daily routine. I have my weekly routine, I have a monthly routine, and I even have a yearly routine of something I do each year, of a 40-day fast and all this. I don't say any of this to bring myself glory. I just want to give examples, personal life examples, where as you set routines to obey your values, that value will take shape in your life.
One of the things I'm learning to value is my physical health. It was fine to say, yes, I, uh, my body is a living sacrifice. <laughs> or, Lord, I give you everything. Well, how about your physical health? Because you might be a tongue-talking, charismatic, lay hands on the sick and recover, fire-anointed preacher. But if you continue to break certain laws and principles as it relates to the health of your body, you will eventually break your body and you'll be a very spiritual person on their way to heaven, but you'll have lost your earthly authority. Oh. <laughs> I, I want to say some things. But I'm having to prove that even my body belongs to God. And I'm having to eat differently and create routines of intermittent fasting and all of this. Routines are actually the secret sauce behind how people achieve greatness. And God wants to fill those routines. Pray, read, read something. Read literature for a half hour a day or an hour a day. Read a book a month, you know. Build and creatively build your routines and your schedule. It, your private life can be a glory to God. <laughs> Ask yourself the question, if a video camera followed you around all day, is there any glory in your personal life? Is there anything that others could learn from in your personal life? Or does your personal life not really match up to what you're professing, what you're reading, what you want to do for God in this life? Integrity is keeping the promises you make to yourself and God. <laughs> All right, let's talk about that. Number seven. Judge yourself and your, your integrity by the promises you make to yourself. How many promises that you make to yourself, and we make probably almost hundreds of them throughout the day or every few days, how many of those promises and commitments are you keeping? How many are you breaking? True integrity begins with keeping promises and commitments that you've made to yourself. We make so many promises and we have so many ideas and, and, and we get inspired, we get emotional. We say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But we break these promises to ourselves and little by little, we don't realize consequences emerge for that. Imagine if we fulfilled our promises to others according to how we fulfill them to ourselves. We might be known as not a very integral person. I would invite you to begin to write down what your three to five values in life are. And then create routines according to those values and really see if you're living this thing out. If you're really living as an integral human being. I know it's a tough, it's a tough word to think about. But maybe your number one value could be a relationship with God. Create your schedule of what that's going to look like. Maybe your second value is your relationship to your family. Maybe third is ministry. Maybe fourth has to do with your career or business or something like that. Write those things down and then begin to create your daily, weekly, monthly schedule according to those values and see if you're really living out the things that you say that you are. That brings us to number eight today. 
I want to encourage you to develop a self-education strategy. Develop a system and create routines in your life where you are continually growing and learning. You know, the 5% of the, of the world that really achieve things in life, they have a steady routine lifestyle of discipline. They have disciplines and they put them in place. They're constantly educating themselves, always adding value to their own lives. I want to give you a secret about how God looks at the human being. The person that adds value to him or herself is the person God will use. God wants you to fill yourself with so much, so much wisdom, so much closeness with him that he says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. He begins to create platforms for you. He begins to give you promotions and situations where he knows that you can be a change agent in those situations because you're so filled up with wisdom. You've added value to yourself. Therefore, in God's eyes, you become a resource for heaven. You become somebody that offers value to the world around you. You don't have to work as hard to be noticed. You don't have to strive or cut corners or do, do things behind the scenes that are wrong to get ahead. The value, the wealth that you have placed within yourself begins to promote you and make room for you. The Bible says a man's gift makes room for him. As you develop your gifts, your talents, your abilities, as you choose uh, your disciplines, that will eventually begin to bring you before kings. It will cause promotion to come to you. If you focus on investing in yourself, focus on the depth of your ministry, God will look after the breadth of it. Hallelujah. Be somebody that like Ecclesiastes 3, verse 3, a time to build up and a time to tear down. History makers and world changers understand how to uh, create strategies for growth in their own life. Even if you have to put up some restraints. Have you ever wondered why that man who, well, he was free out on the street, breaking the law, given to laziness, given to depravity, whatever he was into, now that he's locked up in prison, suddenly he's getting a law degree. <laughs> suddenly he's, he's becoming a psychologist. He's educating himself. And this, this greatness in him emerges. The, the artist in him emerges. Why is that? It's because now he's undistracted by the pleasures and comforts of life. And he's forced into a routine lifestyle. <laughs> the prison system enforces... A routine lifestyle. Now some crumble under that and choose to rebel against it. But for the one who knows how to maximize the opportunity, even of prison, for that person, they can allow that environment to bring out the best in them. What about creating your own self-imposed personal prisons? I'll read this many times a week. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll set aside this amount of time and I, I won't break it for anybody. When I wanted to write my first book and many pastors say to me, yeah, I'm going to get to, I'm going to write a book one day. The Lord has told me he's put three books inside of me. And, and that person is never, ever achieving that. They're never finally getting around to writing that book. Well, it's because they haven't created their 
their, their prison of development. What I did as a busy pastor, and I, I was pastoring in one of the largest churches in, in Canada, I was busy, but I set aside blocks of time where I wouldn't break them for anybody. Thursday mornings, Friday mornings, I told the secretary, do not buzz me, nobody knocks on my door. I put my phone away and I would sit there and write, undisturbed. And I made that my prison of writing. I used this principle and at a young age, I had already written five books. I've gone on to do other projects and record albums and because I'm utilizing the prison of self-development. Creating routines, weekly moments, you would be shocked if you would even give a day or two half days a week for X amount of time, the, the kind of development, the kind of books you could put out, curriculum, video series, you would be amazed at the greatness God has put inside you if you can learn to manage this, this human being that God has made fearfully, wonderfully made. I want to encourage you with one more scripture before we finish today, and that's the hand of the diligent will rule. This is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall rule, but the lazy hand will be put to forced labor. This simply means, and, and I'll, I'll word it as a wisdom or a principle, whatever you are not willing to discipline yourself in, life will find a way to discipline you in. So for the person who says, I'm not willing to be diligent in my studies, well, <laughs> eventually, when you graduate and you've given yourself to pleasures and, and didn't get good grades, you just got by, you did the minimum requirement, now you're going to have to have a career or a job that's going to be difficult. It won't be the one you wanted, and it'll be hard labor. Life will now discipline you for your lack of self-discipline while you had the opportunity in school. Woo! <laughs> what about the person who says, I will not be diligent with building a career and doing things the honest way. I'll rob, I'll cheat, I'll steal, and I'll, I'll live this wild life as long as I can. Well, you'll enjoy it for a while, but eventually when the police arrest you and you're facing prison time, now the prison is going to discipline you in <laughs> the things that you wouldn't discipline yourself in. Now you've got to get up at the same time every day. Now you eat at this time each day. Then you go to sleep at this time. You have this opportunity to use the library to read or study. Now life is teaching you what you would not discipline yourself in. Can you imagine Proverbs is saying this? <laughs> the hand of the diligent will rule, will manage life. The hand of the discipline. But the lazy hand, the one who is unwilling to be disciplined in this life, will be put into forced labor by life itself. It's a law of life. You may even say, you know what? I'm going to be in, uh, undisciplined in how I eat, how I take care of my body. And I'm just, I'm focused on the now. I'm just enjoying life. I'm given to these pleasures and vices. Well, eventually when your cholesterol level is high, when you're wrestling with diabetes, when you're having heart trouble or arthritic, arthritic pain and the doctor says, man, you, you can no longer eat this kind of food. Now life is disciplining you. All you had to do was discipline yourself and have the salad instead of the fries. <laughs> And now life is going to discipline you in the area 
that you were unwilling to discipline yourself. The reality is the Christian life is not just a life of miracles. It's a life of disciplines. It's a life of spirit-filled disciplines and spirit-filled motivation. I want to encourage those that are watching today to consider registering for our History Makers Experience Training this coming October 28th to 30th. If you're interested in that, you can get our special post-COVID pricing, just $97. Look, this training is valued at well over $2,000. And we used to give it away for, for 300 and something dollars. Now, post-COVID, just $97 because we want to give back to people who have come through the crisis and are ready to make a change in their lives. If you'd go to historymakersacademy.com, you'll see that you can register for our in-person experience, which is happening in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada Christian College, or you can register online. You'll have the same experience. It will still transform you, but if you're abroad or you, you can't make it in person, you can join us online for the History Makers Experience training. Next week, I'm going to be featuring a man on History Makers TV here who was facing double attempted murder charges. He's now gone on, after History Makers training, he's gone on to, not only are the charges dropped, but he's gone on to found an, uh, uh, an athletics movement, bringing the kingdom of God through sports. He's become a mentor. He became a chaplain. He even became an ordained minister and his wife hardly recognized him. That's the power of the kingdom of God <laughs> when you lay hold of it. Hallelujah. I want to thank you for joining us today on History Makers TV. Make sure you check out historymakers.com. And next week, you're going to meet this man who's proving the very things we're talking about today. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Thanks for watching History Makers TV. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.